The reading is Psalm 96, which can be found on page 576 of your Bibles. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for reading, Julia. That was wonderful. A psalm of praise, God's people. As we sit, let's pray before we look and reflect on this psalm. As we continue in our series on worship. Father, the psalmist here commanding us to sing, to say, to ascribe, to worship. Teach and encourage us now by your word. Nourish our spirits and empower us, Lord, for the rest of our time together this morning to respond to you with hearts full of gratitude, praise, wonder. So help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd love you to have Psalm 96 open, page 576, we're... Uh, I guess this Sunday concluding this little, um, <clears throat> uh, little discussion from our studies in John's Gospel, this mini little series on worship. We looked at worship as um, giving worth, value to something or someone, ultimately, of course, within the Christian context, to God, the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Spirit. Uh, and it involves us, a, a reprioritizing of our lives, a fresh perspective gained sing a new song. And we've seen, haven't we, that uh, it, is, it all begins, really. We understand this 
as emanating from God's grace. Worship is not our, our idea. It's not something that, that we do to kind of uh, kickstart the process. The Father seeks worshipers, Jesus tells the woman in John 4. And in order to redeem a people who are sold out on sin, he sent Jesus to be the great rescue plan, the savior, to initiate salvation. And John's gospel, I've kind of nicknamed our studies there as a see and believe, that we might see in Jesus, revealed by the Spirit, what God is doing, this great solution that he's working, so that we are indeed free to worship him in the Spirit and in truth, to see that worship is no longer located in a particular place. We don't go to church in order to worship. We don't go to this mountain or that mountain, as Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in John 4. In a sense, we are the temple. We are the place where God dwells as his spirit lives inside us. And worship is that uh, vehicle, if you like, that one, of the, one of the ways in which we remind ourselves of what God has done and seek to join ourselves to his great salvation story. To worship is to grow up. You might remember last week I gave this analogy of uh, my daughter, Emma, who's, who's here this morning, and she's got a little friend, um, a little cuddly toy, a little Dalmatian puppy, spotty dog. And uh, I was talking about how so often we cling to our little securities. We don't grow up as adults. God sees us so often as, as children and laments. I thought, you know, I haven't given that analogy. I, 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 over lunch, I thought, you know, I've, I haven't actually checked with Emma what the answer will be. So I said to Emma over lunch, uh, having given this analogy in church, I said, darling, if you could have the choice between spotty dog and a great big house and a great big garden, which would you choose? And she said, duh, the house. <laughs> but then, fortunately, and this is, uh, God be my witness as well as the family, fortunately, she said, but only when I'm 27. <laughs> so I said, right now, which would you choose? She said, spotty dog. Of course, of course. Worshipping, truly giving worth to God, it is to relinquish the spotty dogs of our lives, as it were. It is, it's, it's to be truly human, fully human, completed in God uh, by Christ and his spirit. And so the psalmist here, sing a new song, singing as part of worship, a primary expression of the way in which we express our worship to God, singing. These new songs are problematic, aren't they? Um, I came across this letter. <clears throat> From time to time, I get letters, correspondence, emails. Um, and here's this letter. Vicar, I am no music scholar, but I feel I know appropriate church music when I hear it. Last Sunday's new hymn, if you can call it that, sounded like a sentimental love ballad one might expect to hear crooned in a saloon. If you insist in exposing us to rubbish like this in God's house, don't be surprised if many of the faithful look for a new place to worship. The hymns we grew up with are all we need. Written in 1863. <laughs> About the hymn, Just As I Am, without one plea. A great time-honored hymn, and yet at one time thought to be, what was it? something you might hear crooned in a saloon. Nothing new. God's people have always sung. 
And as the psalmist exhorts us, sung new songs. Look, sing, verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Ascribe to him, verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 8. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. God's people have always sung. Think of Miriam. When the people of Israel are delivered out of slavery in order to worship God. Do you remember Exodus 3, verse 12? And Miriam breaks into song. In the Psalms, there are over 40 references specifically to singing. David in the temple, Solomon. Uh, Mary in the New Testament. When uh, the birth of Jesus is announced, think of the, the terror in one sense, the fear, the uncertainty. And yet amid all that, my soul magnifies the Lord. Think of Paul and Silas in that Philippian jail. They'd uh, been uh, whipped and lashed. There they were in jail. It was before their rescue that they're singing. Times of triumph and joy, but also hard times, difficult and crushing and perplexing times. God's people sing. Sing to the Lord. Why? I want to suggest four readings before, in a sense, we go from theory to practice and we'll sing together. Why do God's people sing? There's power in songs sung to the Lord. When we sing through song, God, first of all, illuminates. God illuminates. He illuminates himself. When we sing, light is thrown on Jesus and on God. He becomes clearer. He's thrown into sharper relief for us. He, he feels more real as our emotions are touched through song and through music. We engage with him. He becomes more real. You see, through song, true worship continues to happen. The Spirit reveals truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus sheds light on the Father. That's what he came to do, to reveal the Father to us so that although we haven't seen God, as John outlines in his prologue, God, the one and only Son, Jesus, has made him known. Jesus illuminates God, and as we sing, the Spirit, if you like, uh, uh, sort of turns on the light. We see truth. Christopher Coxworth, who's the um, principal of Ridley Hall Theological College and author of a number of books, including uh, Holy, 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 uh, a, a, a work on the worship of God's people, and he writes this. Sung worship is like the great cheer echoing round the football stadium as the critical goal is scored. Like the roar of the crowd, worship tells us that something has happened to the way things are. As we listen to the chant, we can tell who scored the goal. You think about that if you're just walking past Stamford Bridge. If there's this kind of little eruption and then a, a kind of murmur of disquiet, you, you know from that reaction that the opposition have scored. But if there's this huge eruption of 40 or 50,000 voices such that the whole stadium thinks it's going to lift off the ground, you know that the home team has scored. 
there's something has happened that has changed the match. And as you listen, you can identify, even though you're not there, you can identify with what's happened. Sadly, the same can't quite be said of Fulham. Um, you, you walk past Craven Cottage and there's just silence. <laughs> Some tumbleweed goes across the road. Somewhere in the distance, a dog barks. Sung worship illuminates God. We hear the cheer. Something has happened. Something's changed. And we seek to join in. Worship illuminates God. It also, our singing illuminates the truth about us. It illuminates the truth about God. It illuminates the truth about us. We see where we stand in relation to God. And it's often so effective through the medium, the vehicle of song. I remember on uh, an Alpha day where we teach about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, but only after we've spent quite some time rehearsing the, the essential truths of the gospel about what God has done in Jesus, why he is so relevant, why uh, Christianity is focused on him, his sin-bearing act on the cross to remove our guilt, to redeem us, to bring us into new relationship with God. And yet... It was only on the weekend as we sang a song taken from Psalm 103 that uh, I remember this girl, the, the penny dropped, the light came on. The whole thing was illuminated for her. Psalm 103 in this particular verse, it was committed to song, which we sang two or three times, I think. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression, our sin from us. And she saw it. The Spirit's illuminated the truth of God and the truth of her. She saw where she did used to stand in relation to God. She saw where she now in Christ stood. The whole gospel story opened up for her. How could she but respond as she sang with real conviction those words and others as well as she literally sort of cartwheeled into the kingdom of God? Through the power of song, God illuminates. Secondly, through song and through singing, God transforms. Through singing, God transforms. If you're part of the crowd and your team has scored, as Coxworth uh, illustrates for us, then, then you participate, you join in the song. And your whole outlook shifts and changes. It, it changes from, I don't know whether we were going to win, to, hey, maybe we'll get three points or we'll round through to the next round of the cup or whatever it might be. There's a fresh perspective. Again, that's worship. It's re-evaluating, re-appraising. Our team is better than them. We're on the winning side. I'll change my whole outlook. This ticket was worth it. I'll treasure the program. I'll skip on the way home. <laughs> Everything changes. Singing is part of worship that transforms. So be expectant. Through song, God challenges apathy. When you sing, it, it's, it's better if we stand. That means we've got we've to use muscles. We've got to be in a different position. It means opening our mouths. It means deciding to make a noise. All of that counters the apathy of just... It's a statement of intent. It's implicit with expectation. Look at verse 12. As creation sings to its creator, look, the fields are jubilant and everything in them. The trees of the forest sing for joy. In, uh, in Psalm 98, just across the way, 
Look at verse 8, the top of the right-hand page. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. The rivers have hands. The mountains sing. The trees sing. Well, no, not literally, but the psalmist is wanting us to say there's something about our natural state that, that is kind of so enlivened and then quickened, so, so sort of expectant with anticipation of its creator that it, it's almost as if it goes beyond itself. A tree will sing, a river will clap, mountains, heavens, sea, earth, sky, all joins in this vibrant creation song. And God is inviting us to join in with that. You see, if we think that worship is all down to us, we'll never think we're good enough. How can I compete with a singing tree or a river that claps? Have you heard my singing voice? We have a double thing here just to prevent you from hearing my singing voice. I've got a button here and Colin's got a button there just to make sure. The wonderful thing is that it's not about us. It's God in us. He takes our meager little efforts and transforms them. Now, the reason why Emma is with us today is because I'm going to invite Emma to come up now. My pot, do you want to do that? And um, she's just going to start to perform a little something on the piano. But it's a little illustration of how our worship is with God and what God does with our worship in song. So just have a little listen. We bring what we can, and God, by his spirit, transforms it. Let's go. join in. Thanks, guys. See, that's why we can be expecting, because it's not actually about us. We, we play maybe wrong little notes. We don't start in the right place, and we just think it's doom, 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 oh, boring, dull. But we forget it's an invitation to join into something bigger. Join with the whole of creation song. So we couldn't help. I saw you. I saw the shoulders beginning to... We couldn't help it. We're drawn in. And in a much greater way, so song, singing transforms us.
we're just contributing our little ding, 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 ding. But by faith, we see that we're joining something so much bigger, so much more melodic, so much more tuneful, that bids everyone else join in. God transforms us in our singing. Be expectant. But here I want to say something, which I know will resonate with a number of us. Be real. Be real. Wouldn't we all love and we aspire to live our lives in a kind of way all the time? But the reality is that we don't feel like that all the time. The reality is that some of us are in awful situations at work or in a real muddle with our relationships or we're battling with illness or we're feeling low and oppressed. Life is a real struggle. Here's here's what I want to encourage and refresh you with. Bring it anyway. Do you know, a good number of the Psalms are described and categorized as Psalms of lament. They begin with cries from a guy who, the Psalmist, it it would appear, I'm no great doctor or psychologist, but it would appear that he's going through some kind of mental breakdown. He's tormented and oppressed and in agony. He feels alone and lonely. Why, oh God, why, oh why? Why do my enemies triumph? When will this end? Where are you? But even those Psalms invite us on a journey. We begin with this desolate, dark, oppressive place. We enter into the Psalmist's pain, but we journey with him. I remember God back then, it seems so long ago, but you did this and you did that. Other people say that you are like this. You are faithful and strong and powerful to save. Why God? Why not me? And there's nearly always in those Psalms of Lament a turning point. But I will resolve to speak of your praise. I will declare your goodness. I will declare your faithfulness. And so we journey with the Psalmist. It might take five minutes or five weeks or five months, or five years. Actually, in truth, it's a lifetime to perfect the praise that God is due and the worship that his name is due. But be real. Be honest. And the key, it seems to me, is always to have in mind the presence of God. Psalm 96 is one of the psalms known as the psalm of, asc- of ascent. It's the songs that were chanted or sung as the pilgrims made their way from their different villages and towns to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, to the temple. Because in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, the former tabernacle was where God had his dwelling place. The presence of God amongst his people. And so they journey with anticipation Psalm 100, just a few on from, oh, there, it's on the page. Um, no, it's just over the page. Verse four, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There's this sense of journey. And you enter the gates and you enter the courts with a view to seeing the holy of holies, with a view to coming to the presence of God. Now, now post-Jesus, Christians 
don't have to make that physical pilgrimage because Christ has come and made access to God permanent. We, in a sense, are his temple. So it's lazy language if we, sort of, if we say something like, or we have this notion that when we sing, we're coming into God's presence because in one sense, Jesus has already made that possible for us. But it is to heighten the awareness of what God in Christ has done because we forget. It, it, the light grows dim as we live our life in a fallen world. Through singing, God reminds us of his empowering presence. A vital part of singing is to remember that as we're full of his word and full of his spirit, we will sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, as Paul outlines to the New Testament church. It's vital that as part of singing, wherever we are, how real we need to be, how honest with where we are in life, we're expectant of a fresh sense of God's intimacy and God's presence. And that takes time. That takes time. It's interesting that the New Testament words most often used for worship and it's the word that's used in John 4 in the encounter with Jesus and the woman, is the Greek word proskunio. And it, it, um, it has kind of regal overtones. It, it means to um, bow down in submission. But it also has this, it came to have this meaning of to, to, to sort of bow down to kiss, to kiss the ring on the finger of the king. And that the, the image is of the king kind of offering his hand to some loyal subject who in, in reverent submission kisses the ring as a sign of, of, of kind of loyalty, of love, and of a desire to serve. I hold that that's actually quite an intimate picture, that, that actually you wouldn't just race into that situation. It takes time. You're summoned by the king. What do you do? Well, you kind of, first of all, you just check that everything is in order. <laughs> Am I involved in any kind of treasonable act? <laughs> the king wants to see me. I'm going to see the king. I need to make sure that my life, as it were, is, is clear and clean. And I'll journey, how do I look? Am I dressed appropriately? Am I, am I coming in the right way, in the right attitude? All of that before I'm even in his presence. And when I see the king, I bow. A, a sign, a signal that he is the center of my worth. And he holds out his hand. How gracious, how general. He, he's got a sword. He could, as I'm in that position chop off my head. He doesn't. He holds out his hand. He offers me the invitation to join in the work of his kingdom. I kiss the ring on his hand. An intimate moment. Not everyone is invited to do that. Some people think that um, this sort of idea of intimacy in sung worship is, um, well, it just cheapens God. Our songs are ineffectively saying, you know, Jesus is my girlfriend. I've got him in my back pocket, me and Jesus. We need to be aware of that and guard that. I I want us to remember always that proscunio is to do with the king who could at any time banish us from the kingdom, chop off our head, but he doesn't. That's the gospel. That's the good news. God should smite every single one of us. Instead, Jesus comes and says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's business. From now, I call you friends. 
He calls us into the activity and the reality of God. We can be impressed by God at a distance, but only truly impacted close up. Intimacy, the transforming act of singing that illuminates God and brings us close to him. Two final brief points. Through singing, God unites us. Through singing, God unites us. He unites us, first of all, with creation. You see in Psalm 96, sing to the Lord all the earth. Um, uh, Declare his glory among the nations, verse 3. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. It's the heavens, verse 11, and the sea. It's the fields, verse 12, and the trees. It's all creation, verse 13. Worship isn't something that, we don't start something with worship. When we worship, in every sense of our lives, we, we are, we are, we're joining in with something that's already going on and that will continue. We read in Revelation about this gloriously rich scene of worship around the throne where the Lamb is seated and exalted. And uh, day and night, thousand upon ten thousand worship, holy, holy, holy. So we join with this, this rhythm. There's a kind of current, and we jump into the river, and we're taken by the current towards its ultimate and glorious consummation. So through song, God unites us with creation, but he also unites us with ourselves. Singing is, is to act against individualism, which is rife in our 21st century Western culture cry and the ache for this sense of belonging, for a sense of fresh sense of, of genuine community that seems to be all but fragmented and lost. And singing is one of those things that stands against individualism, unites us to one another. Ascribe, verse 7, to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Through singing, God helps us to recognize one another as we declare in song his praise and his worship together. And finally, through singing, God enlivens us. God illuminates truth about himself and about us. God transforms us as we come to realize afresh his presence amongst us. God unites us to creation and to one another and God enlivens us. He wakes us up as we sing. We, we wake ourselves up, if you like, and enabled and empowered by God to see spiritual realities that we've been kind of nodding off to, dozing off. It's a bit like, you know, they, they now thicken, don't they, um, and, and sort of articulate the white lines on the motorway. Just in case you're driving late at night and you're just beginning to nod off and your, your wheel goes onto the white line and it boom, 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 wakes you up. And singing has that impact. I was nodding off. If I'm not careful, I was going to have some kind of accident. And, and, and when I come and discipline myself to sing, words that when I see them on the screen, I, I don't really feel like that. I'm not sure that really describes me. But I'll sing it anyway. And the Spirit will take the words that are on the screen and join me into what's happening. Wake me up. That's why so often when we begin in song, I find, and I don't know about you, but I find quite often the next move is to some kind of repentance. It's some kind of confession. Lord, I've, I've, I've just been falling short here. The Lord seems to do that as his spirit wakes me up. The first thing is to clean me up. That's why in our liturgical service here, we have 
an opening hymn, and then the confession. And that's why in uh, our evening service, when actually we have less formal liturgy, but we're no less uh, liturgically aware, I hope and pray, as we have a number of songs, we're, we're mindful, we're leaving space within those songs for that sense of cleaning as we, we awake to spiritual realities. That's what the Spirit does when we sing. Be expectant of it as we sing in just a few minutes. Be expectant of, of God to open your eyes to spiritual realities. We used to drive a, a Vauxhall Astra and it was on its last legs. It was held together by gaffer tape, basically. Uh, and, uh, but the great thing was, what we realized about Vauxhall Astras is that everyone drives Vauxhall Astras. And uh, then we bought, we traded it in, and we bought a, a Vauxhall Zafira. And, and just two extraordinary things happened. We, we woke up to realities. No one drives a Vauxhall Astra. And also what we realized is that everyone drives a Vauxhall Zafira. They're just everywhere. The reality is that Vauxhall, uh, Astros and Vauxhall Severas are just everywhere all the time. They've always been there. It's just that we woke up to realities. And as we sing, we kind of put ourselves in gear, in sync with God and his spirit. And his spirit wakes us up to realities, not just sort of general notions. I mean, realities. Look at verse 4 and verse 5 of Psalm 96. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We see the impotence, the powerlessness of idols that through the week can kind of grip us, barnacle-like, they grow on us. I really need to have that beautiful house and all those wonderful possessions. I need to have this and that and the other. I find myself giving worth to those things. And then I sing on a Sunday or midweek on a Wednesday or whenever it might be. And through the power of song, the lie of false security and false significance that those idols offer, that, that draw and claw for our worship, it's broken. The power is smashed. I reprioritize, gain fresh perspective. The Lord reigns. The foundations of the earth are secure. I will worship him. Worship in song illuminates truth about God and about us. Worship in song transforms us as we become aware again of God's presence, intimately connected with him. Worship in song unites us with the whole of creation, and with one another, worship in song enlivens us and wakes us up. How do I know that's true? How do we know it's true? I can't prove it to you. Let me ask you a question. What does coffee taste like? Horrible. <laughs> Implicit in that answer, bless you, Graham, is the fact that you've had a go and you didn't like it. <laughs> you've tasted it. Coffee tastes like, it tastes like, well, coffee. You kind of have to just do it, and then in doing it, you see. Now, I'd love you if you've got your Bibles open. Page 
576 to stand. I'm going to invite Steve and uh, Anna to come back. But we're going to begin our worship in song together. Actually, by just let's recite together this psalm of praise. So Psalm 96. Let's uh, speak it out together. And that will turn us into song. And we'll finish with a final hymn. Our collection this morning will be a retiring collection. There'll be a plate just on the offering box at the back. So please do leave any offerings that you'd like to make. Don't feel obliged to. But any offerings you'd like to make uh, at the back of the church there. So we won't actually have a, a collection during this time of worshiping God in song. Let's stand together. Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness.
Psalm 96 says, For great is the Lord, and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty before him, strength and glory in his sanctuary. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing to the ancient of days. For none shall compare to your matchless words. Sing to the ancient of days. Your kingdom shall reign over all the earth. Sing to the ancient of days. And none shall compare to your matchless words. We're going to close by singing together great hymn of praise and worship. Tell out my soul the greatness of the Lord. Tell out my soul the 
remain standing for a moment or two.